is a fan-off production. Welcome, everyone, to Erie International, episode 663. I am Andy from Germany. I'm Dave from the UK. David from the US is not with us today. Uh, today we will talk about Prom Night, the movie from 1980, because we thought last week we talked about a 1980 Jamie Lee Curtis slasher. Why not do another 1980 Jamie Lee Curtis <laughs> slasher? Uh, so... Promenade it is today. Dave, how are you feeling? Uh, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Looking forward to talking about more 1980s vintage Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, <laughs> do you and, think uh, we can find more? <laughs> I, do you know what? I, I feel like as busy as she was in the 80s, she probably hasn't made more than two slash movies in the same year. Uh, <laughs> but you never know. Maybe the same decade. We'll have to look into that yeah. for sure. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's more between uh, after Halloween and... and yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, do, doing all right. Um, you know, been watching a little bit of football recently, and that's not gone particularly to plan. But we're still top of the league, so I'm happy there. Um, and other than that, it's just you know just plodding along as you do. I don't know if you've read Micah's email because we did get an email this week. Uh, I guilted no, I did not guilt Micah into sending us an email, but I texted with him uh, this week, and he said, yeah. Hasn't written in in a while, but he he tries to do it this week. And yeah, he did uh, send an email. And um, there's there's football talk in that email. Right. And but <laughs> uh, I think we I think we have to correct him on something. Oh dear. Yeah. Oh, I don't like the sound <laughs> of that. Okay. Anyway, uh, this is Erie International, um, not a football podcast, although sometimes. We talk about things that are not horror, but our main topic is horror. Prom Night is the main feature of this episode. And, of course, sometimes we talk about literature. Not today. Well, I will mention a comic book. That's literature. Um, you know, our listeners know. We, we know that at least two people still listen because Bela uh, <laughs> let us know that with our last release, the Terror Train episode, there was a bit of a editing problem. Uh, it yeah. went weird in the in the second half. I we think I deleted something I shouldn't have deleted and <laughs> forgot to check what it would affect. And uh, very thankful for, for Bela to, uh, to let us know because otherwise that mistake would still be live today and that would be embarrassing. He's the only one who mentioned it, so I don't know. Maybe no one listened or no one cared. But yeah, the the our t tracks were out of sync from a certain point on. So for the two releases we've had this year, the first one came out almost a week late because there were problems with the fan of website, and the second <laughs> release had this um, 
uh, out of sync problem. So now, third time's the charm. From now on, there will be no more mishaps this year. Is that correct, Dave? Sorry, I'm distracted. <laughs> Say again. <laughs> I was just promising to our listeners that there will be no more mishaps because first, uh, no, no, first no release more, no more mishaps. Take a while. Second release had the audio problem, and from now on, everything will be fine. Everything will be <laughs> listenable from now on. I promise. <laughs> I mean, Terror Train was listenable. So Bela said that he had a lot of fun <laughs> listening to the <laughs> weird conversation that we had out of sync, where we just talked over each other and and it didn't really make much sense. It was like that um, Ronnie, two Ronnie sketch with uh, on Mastermind, where the uh, the contestant has to answer the question from before the question he's currently answering. Mm-hmm. Um, and somehow yeah. it all makes perfect sense, but yeah. it doesn't at all. And so to our first contender. Good evening. Your name, please. Uh, good evening. Your, first, your chosen subject was answering questions before they were asked. This time, you have chosen to answer the question before last each time. Is that correct? Charlie Smithers. <laughs> and your time starts now. What is paleontology? Yes, absolutely correct. <laughs> What's the name of the directory that lists members of the peerage? A study of old fossils. <laughs> Who are Len Murray and Sir Geoffrey Howe? Burks. <laughs> correct. What is the difference between a donkey and an ass? Uh, one's a trade union leader, the other's a member of the cabinet. <laughs> yeah, if you can train your brain to keep two... Um, sides of a conversation in your head that are i don't know how long um how how many seconds or minutes out of <laughs> sync you can you can make sense of it in a way um yeah anyway you can find us on social media as you know Erie INT on twitter Erie international on facebook and instagram And then there's that email account, eerieinternational at gmail.com. And as mentioned, we did get an email today. So let's get to that and read Micah's email, which I have pulled up here. So, back from the dead. Team Eerie is, is that light? Gah! It burns these darkness-blinded eyes. Cthulhu, grab Papa his glasses immediately, you unspeakable wretch. Oh! Hello there, just Papa PT, back from the depths. Sorry for my lack of communication, gents. Fighting off demons from the abyss is serious business. Or was it the fact that Arsenal and Menu have been trading blows this season? And now I have to interject. Menu is not something that we say, do we, Dave? Well, you can. Um, I... Uh... No, you can, call them, you can call them Man U. You can call them United. You can call them Manchester United. You can call them whatever you like at the end of the day. They're not my team. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> okay. As far as I learned is that usually they're called Man United because Man U is uh, quite an insult because it came, it stems from a song that made fun of an incident where a plane went down and several Manchester United players died in that incident and the 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 phrase man you is specifically taken from that uh song and is seen as an as a very much uh, oh, a, a, a bad 
insult. I, I wasn't aware that it was seen as being an insult, which probably shows how much knowledge I have of Manchester <laughs> United. Um, of course, you're, you're talking about the Munich Air disaster of 1958, I think, uh, where several members of the first team were killed in, a, in an air crash. And uh, miraculously, Matt Busby was able to take the remnants of that squad and uh, build a competitive team uh, from them. Um, it's, uh, there's been a few teams that have, have suffered at the hands of air crashes over the years, but I think Manchester United's one was probably the most famous of them. I, w- I wasn't aware that Man U is seen as um, derogatory as a result of that, I have to say. Um, so maybe that is something that uh, that uh, I, I am uh, probably... I'm certainly not qualified to talk on, but certainly if ever I call them Man U, it's not because I'm referencing the Munich air disaster. I'm just... <laughs> calling them Man U because it's easier than calling them Manchester United. It's less syllables. Um, even calling them Man United is uh, is more syllables than calling them the other thing. But, you know, <laughs> call, I, I think, look, as long as you haven't got hate in your heart, I, I think you can get away with calling them pretty much anything you like as long as it's clean. Um, but anyone that is referring to them as that uh, with uh, thoughts of, of the, uh, the, the air crash in, in their hearts is... Uh, is a nasty person and and shouldn't be allowed. But I, I'm sure that that isn't the case with the uh, with the email. I, I think this is definitely not very no. much the case um, in, in the same boat that I am, which is that we, we're just not aware that that is a connotation yeah. of of using the the phrase "man you." So, so it's um, possible that Manchester fans might take it. That to way. be honest with you, I think a lot of <laughs> Manchester fans live in London now, anyway, and probably aren't aware of it as much as I'm not aware of it so uh, I don't know maybe I'm just trying to make myself feel better by assuming <laughs> that all fans uh, are are less well informed uh, than than others are but uh, I don't know there we go <laughs> just trying to educate our listeners <clears throat> well you know I, I've been educated today which is very good um, I I will refrain from calling them that if it's all possible from here on out but um yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, yeah, yeah. You live and learn, don't you? And you move on. <laughs> All right, let's get back to the email, which I have back again. So, um, or is it the fact that I've been sick as a dog, or is it the fact that I've been lazy as shit? Who's to say? All I know, it's nice to get back in touch with you all. Andy and I were also discussing one of our favorite horror writers, Laird Barron, and his terrible medical issues. This is just a PSA that there is a GoFundMe page on John Langan's Twitter to help with costs, if any feel the urge to. So, just to give an update on on that situation, um, uh, Laird Barron has been moved to another hospital. He's in rehab. He's getting better. He's feeling better. He's had an operation. Now he's in, in... in full-time rehab closer to his home so his girlfriend can visit him uh, more easily and he's on the mend but it will take quite a long time and of course resources but yeah uh, it seems it's 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 only been a a matter of hours that he may have passed um before he went to the er and it uh, yeah well his death has been averted but uh, if you go to his GoFundMe page, you may find a current picture of Led Baron, and you may not be able to recognize the man because, uh, yeah, he does not look too healthy in that picture. 
But yeah, as we said, he's getting better, which we, of course we all are very happy about. Back to Micah's email. As usual, I've been keeping up on the podcast and still think a ton of it. Hope you guys are well. I figured I'd update you all on some horror-tinged highlights over the past few months. Finished up the Dark Tower series by, it says, Sai King, S-A-I. I'm sure he meant <laughs> Stephen King. I don't know if Sai means anything that I'm not aware of. It Is does. That something that I... Okay. It's something that uh, readers of the Dark Tower will be uh, very familiar with. It, it's okay. basically um, other world speak for Mr. or uh, ah, yeah, Hare or, or whatever you would use uh, as an honorific. I read the first two books very long ago and in german so i don't remember if it may have uh, been translated yeah. mostly yeah yeah maybe okay uh the series was at times amazing at at and at times cuckoo for cocoa puffs it won't be my favorite dark fantasy series of all time i did enjoy the controversial ending of the series redeeming many of the plain silly moments that were sprinkled within the series i found the characters to be the best part and the world slightly underwhelming with king overindulging on the more looney tunes parts um, of his universe ah well still an interesting piece with some genuine great moments Watched funny games for the first time. It was pretty darn wild and at times stomach-churning. Definitely shared some DNA with the strangers. Not sure how I feel about the meta parts just yet, but I think I liked it. While there's loads more I could throw on here, you all would be reading for the entire podcast runtime. I'll dole more out as needed. Glad to talk with you, gents, via email and hope all is well. Micah, a.k.a. P.T. That's definitely an accurate read from from what I can uh, tell from the last book so far. I'm, I'm not all the way through it yet, but I have started reading it. Um, and look, the, the Dark Tower is a, a project that um, Stephen King had been uh, working on since his um, since his youth, really, uh, because it was inspired by the the books and fiction that he read as a uh, as a young man and as a child. And he's been working on it since the beginning of his writing career and, and was writing uh, it right up until um, the, the previous decade, I think. I think it was the previous decade. Um, so it, it is, it's his indulgent, um, overarching work. So, of course, he is going to essentially end up doing whatever the hell he wants with it. And, and that will include being very Looney Tunes in places. Mm-hmm. Um uh, to be honest with you, like I, I think that at points, yeah, it's right. He does go a little bit too far with it, but for the most part, it's just enjoyable to see him kind of completely cutting loose and uh, doing whatever the hell he wants because it, it really shows kind of like the imagination that he has. Mm. Um, and I've I've heard people with very differing opinions about the final. Uh, book in the series um some saying that it completely ruins the entire series for them others saying that um that it it really sums everything up really well and really nicely uh i've not finished it yet so i can't say for sure but i get the feeling that wherever you land on the spectrum of uh, dark tower completionists you're probably not wrong uh i think everybody's <laughs> reading of it is completely accurate to uh to to them themselves uh everyone has different mileage with these things mm. um but yeah certainly that that does sound about right from <laughs> from what i've heard listeners have heard us talk about the king cast and of course 
those guys are fans of the series of the Dark Tower series, and they had several episodes talking about just uh, individual books from the series or even the whole series with varying guests. And as I said, I, I read the first two books, must have been at least more than 10 years ago, probably. Um, and But just, yeah, listening from, from them on the podcast talk about the series and, and what I know about Stephen King, his readers, and his his bibliography. It's so it's so interesting to me that he has this decades long career, and every book is this uh, more or less a, a bestseller, and and people love his his books. But then there's the Dark Tower series, <laughs> which <laughs> seems to be this very separate thing in his bibliography. That there uh, probably most of his readers that have read more or less every book of his haven't read the Dark Tower series. And then there's this very avid fan base for this series. And within that fan base, they probably in a friendly manner discuss the all the aspects. And, and they don't necessarily, just as you described and as Michael described, they don't necessarily like every aspect of the series, but they love the series as a whole and like discussing its its heights and its flaws and that ending and and the whole history how king wrote this series again i guess over a series of of decades starting as a very young man and then finishing in it or well has he really finished it um well there's always the chance that there will be more stories i know there's Mm. like a few short stories that he released after finishing the quote-unquote finishing the series and Mm. and so yeah i I don't know i I just think it's a it's an interesting um very interesting fact that he has this this separate series of books that speak to uh, like a, a very specific audience and not necessarily the the um average stephen king fan uh yeah. Uh, anyway, it's, it's again. It's like um, if if you read into it really closely, um, and I'm just talking about just his his other books here. There are little flourishes in his other books that maybe suggest that there is uh, there are links between other books. But then when yeah. you read the Dark Tower series, it's like, oh no, these are all completely connected, and yeah. I can't make it any more obvious than I can in these books that like. If it's not all within the same continuity, then at the very least, the world of the Dark Tower is kind of like the bridging world between all of these. Um, and I, I guess it just comes down to how much you want to uh, link all of the uh, continuities together and, and how much of a completionist you want to be. You, you cannot read any of the Dark Tower and completely enjoy the other books. You can read the Dark Tower and then go and read Salem's Lot and um just be like oh wow like this this brings a whole new depth to that book um and you know there are other characters mm-hmm. in other books that feature uh, some of them more prominently than others but there's certainly one or two that feature very prominently in the later books and make me want to go and read the books that they came from in order to get a feeling for how it all kind of links together mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's kind of like You've you've got your comic book fans that like to read one particular character 
And then you've got your comic book fans that like to read everything so that they can link everything together. Because you're always going to have that issue of Batman where they'll say, refer back to Superman issue 248 to to understand what we're talking about here. And there's people that will be like, oh, okay, well, I'm not going to do that. And there's going to be people who are like, I remember exactly what you're talking about. It's this particular scene. And, you know, it, it just it depends what kind of fan you are. And again, to what I said earlier, there's no right or wrong way of taking it. And there's no right or, or wrong way of uh, enjoying his work. You either enjoy everything or you enjoy uh, little bits here or there. I've kind of taken a roundabout route where I seem to be more into the Dark Tower than I am the rest of his stuff, which is kind of an interesting direction to come from, but again, no less valid than any other direction. So, you know, just enjoy what you enjoy. And um, if you don't enjoy it, oh, well, never mind. You know, I do. (laughs) As long as you all enjoy Revival, because... We love that book. Yes, I think that goes without and saying. And the King you, hosts love that book as well. Yeah, if you don't enjoy Revival, <laughs> then you are objectively a bad person. Uh. <laughs> uh, I think the King cast and, and I mean, they, they have a way wider reach than we have, but I think no one has been championing, championing that book as much as, as we have and, uh, and the King cast hosts have. <laughs> no, for sure. And, and quite right, too. <laughs> Okay, um, let's get into the things we did this week. If we have any, I have two things that I want to mention. Dave, do you have anything for for this segment of the show? I've got the square root of bugger all, except for... (laughs) (laughs) Interesting title. I know, I... I use my tongue prettier than a $20 whore, and if anyone knows what (laughs) film that comes from, then welcome to my life. Uh, It's... um, that we 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 were going to record an episode of of Janan this weekend and then we put it back by a week which means that we get to spend more time watching a show and that show is called The Owl House um which is a it's a Disney animated series from 2019 and although it's it's kind of horror in a your kids can watch this style so it's kind of like the the goosebumps kind of track of of horror where there are things that happen there are monsters there are demons but it's all kind of quite safe and quite cute and it's a it's a really fun show and i i think i'm going to recommend that people give it a look if they can um it's very much of the same ilk as gravity falls which was kind of the big breakout hit of the late 2000s for disney um and there's a lot of people that have come over from one to work on the other um but it's it's a really fun show it's got some lovely animation lovely um, design ideas um it has got a little bit of a lovecraftian vibe to it which i very much enjoy but again it's in a very safe style so that kids aren't too um upset by it or or perturbed by it um yeah, it's it's a fun show. I I, th- I think I would be very happy to recommend people check it out. So the Owl House is the the one thing that I will be talking about today. Other 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 than that, it truly is the square root of bugger all for me. Um, so I've heard good things about that show. Um, hmm. and what little I've seen, and I did not see an episode. Just 
images or trailers or whatever. I, it, it looked like uh, well, it looked very interesting to me. It looked like my kind of animated show. Um, I, I like Gravity Falls. I haven't seen every episode of Gravity Falls, but the the ones that I did see, I I liked a lot. And yeah, it just uh, I don't have a Disney Plus subscription, so I never um, saw an episode of what's it called the the owl house the owl house yeah Yeah. and and it is one of those shows which if you have a disney plus subscription then Mm. obviously it makes it a lot easier to watch it it's not something that i would say get a subscription because you have to watch this it's more of a case of if you already have a subscription then this is definitely something that you should Mm. spend some time on yeah it's just gravity Falls, for example is a show that i watched on on tv so just whenever I happened to come across an episode, um, I, I watched an episode or two, um, and and the Owl House I just never found on TV. <laughs> mm, um, yeah. And yeah, so uh, isn't that also remind me? Didn't didn't that show get prematurely ended? Uh, it might have done. Um... I, I say might have, I've not looked into it yet, but I have mm. looked at the, you know, when you're going through Wikipedia to find the listings for the episodes, um, it's got 19 episodes in the first season, 21 mm. episodes in the second season, and the third season has a grand total of three episodes. Mm-hmm. Kind of feels like they were just given enough time to wrap everything up. Yeah, um, because I I, 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 I think I, I remember reading something about the show being discontinued prematurely um yeah it wouldn't surprise fans, me of course we're upset um well, as as often happens <coughs> final space uh <laughs> don't <yeah>. remind me <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh well let's let's not talk about final space anymore someday we will talk about it again one of these days <laughs> okay i have two things that i want to mention as i said um a one is a comic book i started reading the very first collection of hellblazer comics called original sins john constantine hellblazer the comic book series that started in the 80s uh we have an episode on the movie of course and i never read the very first comics i think the the most popular ones uh, are the Garth Ennis books. The very the first run of Garth Ennis books is collected in the trade paperback called Dangerous Habits, which is very much the basis for the Keanu Reeves movie. And I've read that one several times, and 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 mostly read later uh, Hellblazer comics that were written by Warren Ellis and Brian Azzarello and other people. Um, but I, as I said. I, I've have I've had the the collection of the first run for a while, never read them, and now for the comic book podcast that I'm a part of, we will review the Dangerous Habits collection, and I thought let's before I reread Dangerous Habits another time, let's take this opportunity and finally read Original Sins first, and then reread Dangerous Habits. And I'm not through with the collection yet, so. The character uh, originated in the Swamp Thing series while Alan Moore was writing um, Swamp Thing and then John Constantine became popular and DC gave him his own series and Jamie Delano or Delano, I'm never sure 
which way that last name is properly pronounced. Mm. So Jamie Delano was the writer on the original um, Hellblazer series and Original Sins collects the first nine issues and I've read three or four now and they're fantastic. I was pulled in immediately. It's a fantastic writing style, fantastic prose. There's a lot of relatively um, no, I'm starting again. Compared to other comics, there are a lot of words on a page because it's the, it's a it's a first person narration. So you have Constantine narrating his 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 thoughts and his emotions, and then of course you have dialogue. Um, but the Jamie Delano's writing style is very captivating, and it's very almost poetic in a way. So it, it draws you in like a good horror short story does just just from the writing and then the, of course there's also the the images john ridgeway was the artist on on those comics and it's the if you've seen dc horror comics from the 80s very much the the first sandman comics and swamp thing of the time and and hellblazer there's it has a certain style that is Mm, kind of antiquated for our eyes nowadays and mm. the, the coloring is a little odd just because we're not used to that style that much anymore and, and those comics have changed quite a bit since then but um, well I've I've read all those not, not all of them but Sandman other Hellblazer from that time so I, I it's it's a it's a style that I'm somewhat used to, um, but yeah, I was I was really surprised how much the writing drew me in, and and how much the the horror in these stories came through. Constantine dealing with with demons and devils, and 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 so yeah, I'm I'm really glad that finally I <laughs> I'm taking the time to read these stories and I'm, I'm, I've read the there's a, f a foreword by Jamie Delano in that collection where he talks about the fact that at the time when Hellblazer came out it was still part of the DC universe you just talked about comic book universes <laughs> mm, yeah. and so this is before the DC Vertigo line was created where books like Swamp Thing Hellblazer and Sandman got to play in their own sandbox without having to take care or take into consideration what's going on in the superhero DC universe. But when those series were started, they were still in the DC superhero universe. So um, in the first few issues of, of Sandman, Superman and Batman and, and, and the like show up and Hellblazer um, was still part of the of the continuity that something was also in and Rick Veach at the time had taken over the writing duties on Swamp Thing and he had plans to have a a, a story arc that included John Constantine before he knew that John Constantine would get his own book so 
there's the 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 the, the later issues in the original sins collection are from a crossover with swamp thing so mm -hmm. um i'm i'm curious um how how those will read without reading the swamp thing issues <laughs> <laughs> jamie jamie Delano in his in his um in his forward tries to catch the readers up and and gives them facts so, oh, this is what's going on in swamp thing this is what you need to know to understand these these issues in this collection so mm. uh um, we'll, we'll, I will find out how they work or n don't work on their own. But the first issues, as I said, that I've now read are fantastic. So I think Hellblazer got off to a fantastic start when it was first published in the in the late eighties. Um, great horror book, great writing, and yeah, I'm I'm curious if when I finished it if. I will maybe try to find some more of these old Jamie Delano Hellblazers. So I will let you know once I've finished the book um, how I liked the entirety of it. Probably next week, hopefully. Awesome. I need to need to get going and, and get these comic books read so that I can talk about them on, on the comic book podcast. <laughs> okay, uh, that's Hellblazer. And then we today we watched a movie, uh, My Best Friend's Exorcism, on Amazon Prime. It's an Amazon Studios production. It's the adaptation of the Grady Hendrix novel, My Best Friend's Exorcism, a novel that many people seem to like. Grady Hendrix is a very popular writer. Um, I've haven't read any of his novels. I own his Paperbacks from Hell book, the the collection that he wrote about. A, a non-fiction book about uh, um, horror paperbacks from the from the 70s and 80s um, and I've heard him on, on, on podcasts a bunch he's a very interesting person has a lot to say about horror and, and has interesting things to say so my best friend's exorcism um, was adapted into a movie and I've never really I, I don't remember any of our mutuals of our of our eerie community talk about that movie and mm. uh, on on mm, on letterbox i have only one person who even logged that movie which is elric kane of the pure cinema podcast <laughs> um and yeah it's completely forgettable and barely worth mentioning the movie is not good <laughs> it's not it's not suspenseful it's not tense it's not really funny um the, the, every opportunity that the movie gives itself to be to to have horror to have tension to have comedy the, the movie just the story doesn't really take these opportunities um so i i've heard people say good things about the book the movie uh not not a recommendation uh it, it it feels longer than it is it's what was it 97 minutes or so definitely felt longer and yeah it's it's uh, there must be a reason why i've never heard anyone talk about the movie a, a an adaptation of a popular novel that is freely available for many many people because many people subscribe to amazon prime 
And still only one of the people that I'm connected to on Letterboxd even logged the movie. <laughs> I mean, Amazon does a really poor job of advertising a lot of the movies that they've made because they, they really don't advertise their movies very well at all. Yeah. And, and it's such a nightmare trying to find stuff on there as well. People always complain about finding new stuff on Netflix, but compared to Netflix, Amazon is an absolute nightmare. Um, just cannot seem to uh, find anything. Like I knew the other day that Lupin the Third. There was a new movie that had come out the other day called Lupin mm. the Third versus Cat's Eyes, um, which is basically a crossover between Lupin and uh, a manga and, and, and TV series um about three sisters who are master thieves and you would have thought that that would have been like right up the top of of amazon prime video no i had to search for it and even when i typed in lupin the third and i clicked on the search term for that it just came back with it was like the second or third option down despite it being a brand new movie that had literally launched that day they're just awful at their jobs over there at amazon they really are and here I am on Twitter saying Amazon should buy the rights for the Premier League and put out packages for every team individually and this and that and the other. And it's like, yeah, but you'd never know to find it there because they're <laughs> terrible at advertising their wares. Well, I'm sure if they <laughs> bought the distribution rights or the what's what's it called the the broadcasting rights for the Premier League, they would let people know because oh yeah, that's expensive. Yeah, <laughs> they that's would true. need to make their money back. This is very true. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, Lupin the Third. It's Dave Roberts who wants to see that movie. We can hide it. <laughs> <laughs> the Premier League. We need a few more people than that one guy in Essex watching uh, a, a Japanese anime. <laughs> yeah, I, you're, you're absolutely right, and and thank you for keeping my ego in check there. I I should have I should have thought about the fact that uh, that I I do not represent the the overall, but it's still kind of you know it's yeah. it's an irritant. Um, but there you go. That's that's Amazon for you. Um, but yeah, yeah we spent far too long talking about a movie that you said didn't need talking about, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. Okay. Um, yeah, let's move to our main topic. Prom Night is a 1980s slasher film directed by Paul Lynch and written by William Gray. Jamie Lee Curtis and Leslie Nielsen star. The film's plot follows a group of high school, high school seniors who are targeted at their prom by a masked killer seeking vengeance for the accidental death of a young girl six years earlier. The film features supporting performances from Casey Stevens, Eddie Benton, Mary Beth Rubens, and Michael Tuff. So, as we said earlier, and as people who listen to our show know, last week we talked about Terror Train, also a slasher that came out in the year 1980, starring Jamie Lee Curtis. And I believe on that episode we even mentioned that Jamie Lee Curtis shot Prom Night and Terror Train back-to-back. -back. So she shot Prom Night first, shooting started in 1979, movie came out in 1980, and basically directly from the Prom Night set, she went on to the set of Terror Train and shot that movie. So, of course, all these slashers come out in the wake of the success of Halloween, also starring Jamie Lee Curtis, of course, in 1978. And then the whole slasher craze began and the, um, Friday the 13th movies came out and several other standalone movies, then some of those 
became series. There's several Prom Night sequels and a reboot from some years ago. For me, this was the very first time watching Prom Night. Was it the same for you, Dave? It was, yeah. Yeah, at least it's the first time that I, I've knowingly watched it. Um, mm -hmm. I don't feel like I've seen this movie before, but at the same time, there was a lot of things about this film that felt quite familiar. And maybe that's just having watched Grease and knowing that there is uh, normally an auto shop in all American high schools. Um <laughs> Or, you know, the fact that uh, apparently this movie wanted to be Saturday Night Fever with murder. Yeah. Um, I just about to say Grease wasn't the John Travolta movie I was thinking of <laughs> while watching Prom Night. But you also mentioned Saturday Night Fever, which definitely is... Don't uh, you worry, Andy. I was getting there. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's another movie that has John Travolta that definitely was a huge influence on Prom Night, and that's Carrie. <laughs> absolutely they were just remaking john travolta movies <laughs> at this point i think so yeah um you know f funnily enough i um i i seem to be on a little bit of a roll where it comes to uh so dave sum up this movie in a sentence because i've got another one for us this week wonderful and it's not even a full sentence it's literally just a <laughs> bastardized movie title because this movie is boogie frights <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's Ah, Boogie Frights. Fantastic. <laughs> this probably on par with Frankenstein with glow sticks. I, I can't believe <laughs> that they made a disco movie in 1980, <laughs> for Christ's sakes. Like, this is such a 70s movie. And I get it. They probably had filmed it in 1979. But still, like, it just it doesn't I mean, feel disco, right. disco didn't just end when the year 1979 yes, it ended did, <laughs> yes it did we all know that the 70s were, were the exclusive realm of disco and as soon as new year's day 1980 came around <laughs> disco was dead to the world we all know this you know boney m were basically in the dirt at that point the bgs had to formulate a completely new career path the only band that came out of the 70s and one piece was abba and even they were struggling <laughs> Um, no, I take your point completely. But still, like, it just feels weird that we're watching disco dancing in the 1980s movie rather than the 1970s. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's barely the 80s. It's I know. It's 1980. So. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I get your point. Yeah. But... I mean, strictly speaking, 1980, depending on which nutcase you listen to, and there's a few of them, There's always this argument about, okay, at what point does a decade end? And some people out there do think that it should be, for example, for the 80s, the first year of the 80s should be 1981, which is weird to me because you have a whole year before there called 1980. <laughs> like, literally, it's in the title. But people will argue the fact. I think it's probably because they go back to, like, the year zero, right? And they're like, well, yeah. the year zero wasn't part of the tens. Yeah. So the year one was the first year of the tens. So that's technically where they're coming from. That was the big discussion. Um, when does the new oh, millennium, the millennium start? Yeah. Is it 1999 to 2000 <laughs> or 2000 to 2001? See, because makes... <laughs> is there a year zero and there's not? <laughs> no, I suppose. No, there's a year dot, but there's not a year zero, apparently. Um, yeah, this is the problem, Andy. You and me, like, I, we're, we're probably feeling quite old now because we still think that that's a relatively recent discussion when it actually took place 23 plus years ago. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> reading Hellblazer currently and, and thinking uh, of the fact that I bought my trade paperback of Dangerous Habits 
in the late 90s. So I, I, I read that book for the first time more than 20 years ago. Recently, I showed my, my Comic Cookies co-hosts mm. my issue of a picture of my issue of Hellblazer 120, which yeah. was the 10-year anniversary issue of Hellblazer, which came out 25 years ago. Jesus. <laughs> Remind I, me to send I, you... I, I took on. that issue to when last year when I went to to Denmark uh, to a comic book convention to see um, Jimma Food and Sean Phillips was there. Sean Phillips was the artist on Hellblazer when I started reading Hellblazer, which was in the early hundreds. Mm. Um, so I, I took my issue of of. 120 for him to sign to Denmark and I put it in front of him and he immediately said this is 25 years old <laughs> yeah man I um I got rid of so many copies of the Beano which is a different thing entirely mm. but still like you know and those would have been easily 30 years old at this point yeah um they all just got tipped out at some point in my youth before I knew what I was doing but I still have like the um, the Death of Superman run of comic books when mm -hmm. they originally came out. So yeah. uh, remind me, I'll, I'll have to like take photos of them all and, and send them uh, in your direction. So you I, I had a few of those. Well, yeah. I didn't have the. I Whoa. had the paperback of the Death of Superman. I had the single issues of the uh, the follow ups when they started four new series oh. after the Death of Superman, and yeah. I had. There was Man of Steel, Superboy, and 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 the two others, the the Android one and the the red no, no the red and blue came later. Anyway, so there were four new series, and I had the the number ones of these four <laughs> series. Mm. But yeah, uh, I mean, of, I'm 46. You're about to turn 40. Yeah. No, you, so um, <laughs> don't it's, remind it's, me. It's 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 just uh, it's our parents' fault. <laughs> time time is a flat circle, Andy. Yeah, that is also correct. <laughs> anyway, back to prom night and uh, disco Indeed. dancing. I was very impressed that they really like b built this disco floor into their mm. the gymnasium for their for their prom. <laughs> that must have been a really successful business model for about a decade. And you know, <laughs> mobile travel. You know, have disco floor, will travel um, kind of kind of party set up. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's impressive. It was impressive. I saw it like when, when Jamie Lee Curtis gets on that dance floor during the daytime mm -hmm. and like pulls a, a couple of moves off. I was just like, first of all, that floor looks, looks very, very slippery. Like, I don't think that would pass health and safety standards today. But second of all, can I just say I'm insanely jealous that even if it wasn't technically your actual high school prom, you still got to dance on a disco floor. Because <laughs> I I never got that pleasure, um, and and maybe maybe as a uh, as a sixteen to eighteen year old I wouldn't have appreciated it anyway, but as a as you pointed out quite rightly, Andy, nearly forty year old, uh, I I kind of I'm annoyed that I've never really had that chance to dance I will, on a multicolored floor. I will let someone know that they will organize for your 40th birth <laughs> birthday a disco floor <laughs> maybe, maybe just like i don't know some a, a mat <laughs> all I want, all one by wanted. one meter mat that you on your own can stand on and <laughs> if you if you could get in contact with either or laura camp or adam savage i would be very happy because they're both wonderful 
wonderful makers. <laughs> so I don't think either of them have the time or inclination to make a disco floor for me. <laughs> well, who knows? Who knows? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, so what do you think of the movie? Um, the movie... Oh, well, well it's, 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 that, that's, it's a bad habit, asking a question and then uh, keep talking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's, let's set the scene. The movie starts out... As Wikipedia mentioned, um, six years before the the the, the Jamie Lee Curtis timeline, <laughs> yep. uh, the the kids they they uh, play in an abandoned house and um, one girl um, f falls from the second floor to her death, uh, and the the kids that are more or less responsible for for her falling. They promise each other to never talk about the incident. And as we learn later on, a sex offender um, gets blamed and put into a psychiatric... Psychiatric? Psychiatric, yeah. Psychiatric. The R is later in the word. Psychiatric it is. institution. Psychiatric <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and yeah, and then six years later, prom night is about to happen under the motto "Disco Madness." Love it. Um, and a mass killer turns up. He first he phones the the four. Is it four or five kids? Uh, four, um, four. Yeah. yeah, three girls and a boy. Um, the four kids that were involved with the death. Then he leaves their their yearbook pictures in their lockers um with a with a shard of glass <laughs> and then he starts killing them hmm. and so yeah dave how did you like it and how did it compare to terror train in your opinion i like this movie and it compares favorably to terror train in that it's everything that i wanted from terror train and didn't mm -hmm. quite manage to get and maybe that's being a little bit hyperbolic but genuinely, like, there is a lot about this movie that I really, really like. Um, mm. Something that I didn't expect to like was the fact that you go almost an hour to an hour and a half without any murders being... Uh, being uh, um, Good God, my words aren't working today. Any murders occurring um, in the film. Like, you get the, the death of the kid in the first scenes of the movie, which you can argue whether that's murder or manslaughter or or any of the above uh but then like you don't get a single murder on screen i i have to mm. be careful about the use of, of the words because there is a dead body that we see at some point yeah. uh, but you don't get a single murder on screen until literally that last half hour stretch mm. and unusually for me i really really like that um i thought that the way that they built the film up to that point was really really good i it, it was obvious that everything was going to happen on prom night itself right so it would be silly to expect there to be any murders or any real tension building up to it but i just like the fact that they set the pace of the movie early on they set your expectations for what to what you're going to see and when you're going to see it and then the movie leading up to that point was just very well uh put together and paced so that i never felt bored or anything like that i always felt like we were 
learning more about the characters that were eventually going to be in peril gave me a reason to like some of them and to fear for some of them. It gave me reason to not like some of them and to really hope that they did end up uh, getting uh, getting got, uh, to quote Booker T. Um, it's, it's just a really, really fun movie, and I wasn't expecting a movie that has no killings until so late in the day to be uh, as entertaining and fulfilling as, as it ended up being. I, I, I really do think that this is a, a very, very good movie, and, and of the two that Jamie Lee Curtis did that year... I would kind of hope that f- just purely from a dispassionate, like watching the film point of view, that she would agree that this is the better of the two movies. She may have had more fun filming Terror Train. I don't know. But I definitely feel like this is the better of the two films that she starred in in, in 1980. I mean, there's an entire disco scene. I know we've already talked about the disco quite <laughs> substantively during the opening cr- uh, drawl of this movie. But it's an entire... 10 minute scene where she's dancing in a choreographed routine with her boyfriend slash prom partner and it's just it's it's brilliant it really is brilliant i liked it a lot it it did have as you mentioned that kind of carry feeling about it um i i love the fact that the bad boy has got a unibrow (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't know if that's a makeup effect or if they just happened to have found an actor who had a unibrow. Yeah. But the guy looks so weird. He definitely he looks like he has prosthetics on his face, and I don't think he does. <laughs> Which is, you know, a, a pity for him. Uh, <laughs> although it got him the part in this movie, so that's fine. Yeah, I, I think it's really good. Um, well, what about yourself, Andy? Like, am I am, am I preaching to the choir here, or, or have you got an alternative <laughs> take for us? Well. Yeah, I, I I did enjoy Terror Train more than than Prom Night, but Prom Night definitely sh- could be part of the Death Party series. <laughs> it's it's, yeah. it's a, a slasher movie where all the murders happen at at a party. <laughs> so, uh, ter- Terror Train is basically Prom Night on a train. <laughs> no, yeah, well, I I. I Everything that you mentioned, I did not enjoy as much. There is okay. Uh, Bianca did watch. Uh, she she did look at the clock when the first proper murder was on screen, and it right. was like sixty two minutes uh, in a in a ninety two minute movie, <laughs> and it did feel too long to us. And from what I read um, on on Wikipedia, because that's where my research ended, mm. um, the so Paul Lynch the director didn't want the movie to be very bloody and gory but then the i don't know producers or whatever said well you you'd need at least some gore in the movie so that we can sell this properly against yeah. all these other slashes coming out and then we have that decapitation sequence <laughs> uh, which which i that's that's something that i then appreciated that there is this rolling head mm. because for a horror movie this is very bloodless and yeah we have the the murdered nurse and we have the kid falling out of the win- window within the first 60 minutes but the 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 proper killer showing up and killing people only happens within the last hour and then it's pretty rapidly and and not bad um but with Terror Train, all the things that I mentioned about Terror Train, in, enjoying the cinematography and the, the lighting and, and things like that, and uh, the, the Prom Night didn't quite give me these aspects to enjoy, and then the story itself 
for my taste, dragged quite a bit. So mm. I wasn't as involved in what was happening on screen. I had a hard time differentiating all the characters. I couldn't keep up with the names. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who's the, the boys all look the same except for Lou, the 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 bad guy. But but Nick and Alex, um, well, interchangeable. The, 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 those guys, I, I more or less um, was able to to differentiate. But they they looked very much alike. Mm. Uh, the girls. Um, looked quite a bit alike, and and I, I, I there was a Wendy, there was a Kelly. <laughs> yeah, I, I tended to differentiate the girls from their haircuts. That was that was how I mm. I could tell the difference between mm. them. But I I'd be lying if I could told you I knew who their names were. Like <laughs> yeah, because and then all you you also and and they 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 do intercut the 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 the, the young girls from the beginning with their older counterparts so that you as an audience member know okay that kid from the beginning is now that young woman from from the prom but still uh i i I, at some point i didn't really try to keep up with it anymore and then there's enough sequences that i enjoyed i enjoyed the whole um scene with uh, slick and whoever the girl was when they yes. have sex in the van and, and, yeah. and smoke a joint and get killed in the van and <laughs> that that more or less action sequence when the the stunt <laughs> guy uh hangs out of the the, the moving w- van and, and so I, I appreciated that mm. um but yeah as as a whole it didn't quite entertain me as much and and as i said Ter- terror train was not a perfect movie either but i was entertained by it in a i don't know on a, on a higher level than i was uh, with with prom night watching prom night now um it was a bit of a weird thing in the sense that it's one of those earlier slashes so it does not really play with the tropes yet it follows the tropes mm. but watching it now we weren't quite sure if, because very within the first few minutes, Bianca said, "Yeah, well, the the boy is the killer. Uh, the boy, the, yeah. the the brother will grow up to be the killer." And at some point, we weren't entirely sure. Later on, we said, "Well, I still haven't quite ruled out Jamie Lee Curtis as the killer." But on the other hand, I'm not sure if 1980. If in 1980 the slasher genre has evolved that much yet to play with the tropes and to present the 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 protagonist the the lady protagonist as the killer, and I don't think Prom Night was quite there because, of course, at the end Alex turns out to be the killer. <laughs> mm. um, well, I I think that they to, to that point they do I think do a do decent job of putting some red herrings in play. So I I never believed for a second that the uh, unibrowed uh, thug um, boyfriend Luke, of, of yeah. Wendy, mm-hmm. I never for a second thought that he was the killer, but they did try to make it seem as though he and his mm. friends were maybe taking things further than I think her name was Wendy, uh, was, was willing for them to actually yeah. take it. But also there was there was a scene, and maybe it was too subtle, but they there's a scene where they say, "Oh, I've I've not seen your dad around in a while," 
And also, mm-hmm. like, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's mother as well was also missing mm-hmm. uh, for most of the prom. And it did have me thinking for a second, like, is it maybe the mum? Because she seemed out of sorts during that mm-hmm. last half of the movie. Um, the father, um, played by um, Leslie Nielsen, um, in one of his last serious roles before Airplane really propelled him into just being a pure comic actor. Um I, I wouldn't have had much trouble believing that he might have been the killer. But really, when you get down to it, like who could have possibly known that they were responsible other than the brother? Because he saw Nick up on the top of the building. So he knew that he was there. Um, you know, it just made sense that it would have been either Jamie Lee Curtis or her brother that mm-hmm. was the killer. But I, I do like the fact that they tried at least half-heartedly, to throw a couple of red herrings in there that kept me somewhat guessing until the reveal. Mm. But when the reveal happened, I'm very much with you and Bianca. I was just like, well, yeah, of course it was him. Who the fuck else could it be? I never for a second bought it was the the, the guy that had escaped from a a mental asylum. I I agree um, with the family that that they were also options that we discussed if, if maybe... Um, the father or the mother are the murderer but yeah Sykes the 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 groundskeeper the janitor the the drunk they the movie wanted us to um, see him as an option not for a second (laughs) and 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 of course yeah right and of course yeah the the SKP which is very much just the Halloween plot the, yeah. the 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 guy that escapes from the psychiatric ward kills the nurse um and is now on the on the loose and the police is trying to catch him that whole subplot but mo- almost entirely um happens in conversations and Never over the phone yeah so th- th- that was so almost unnecessary i th- you couldn't really believe in in that guy being the killer because you never see the guy you never you see when they find the nurse mm. and other than that it's just conversations between police officers <laughs> well, I, I think um, maybe the intention of that was more um as a plot device to make sure that the police didn't really seriously investigate other suspects like they were so fixated on mm. this escapee as being the potential murderer that they never thought for a second maybe we should question everyone else um, I, I, I'm not sure that I mean maybe I'm giving the filmmakers too much credit here but I, I don't think that they ever seriously thought that they were fooling the audience into believing mm. that that was your main suspect um, but it does serve nicely as a, a device for keeping the police from looking into things too much elsewhere mm. um, and uh, also it's just like it's something to take up a bit more time isn't it uh, although I must say that conversation that the two policemen have uh, during the prom where he says, oh, I-, I wanted to tell you myself, we found him 50 miles away. He was picked up by highway patrol. And the other policeman's just like, oh, right. OK, well, I can enjoy the prom now. <laughs> Sorry. Why? Why? I know your son is going here, but like that's <laughs> you're not supposed to be here enjoying the prom, right? Like this is you're, you're here for security, I, I-, I assume. she's kind of a bit silly really yeah it's an interesting thought that uh, the the SKP is just a a distraction for the police basically 
again something that I'm uh, that I have a hard time really um mm, I'm not quite sure how to view the movie with eyes from 1980 how because of course as i said all, all the tropes and stuff that we now know and we, we we've seen the the movies that came after we've seen the evolution of slashes we've seen the the meta approach and everything and i'm not entirely sure how an audience in 1980 would have f viewed the the skp subplot if Mm. They would have viewed it as a proper okay. This is Michael Myers all over again. Uh, that that is a definitely um, an, an an option um, that the, the SKP is the killer, or if it is viewed as a yeah as a plot device to distract the police more than sure. really offering an. A suspect. I think if they were serious about wanting the audience to believe that the the, uh, the escape convict uh, was the killer, then they needed to either leave the cause of death of the original girl um, to be um, uh, to to be not so obvious. Like they shouldn't have shown us exactly what happened at the very beginning of the movie, so that we might actually believe that the uh, that that she was killed by that convict, and that he's coming back to maybe kill the rest of the kids. Um, but yeah, problem... I, I think the 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 we're not the cut. Damn it! <laughs> I think the in. The supposed intention by the killer is to take revenge for having been put away for a murder he didn't uh, convict. Makes it, does it make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, it does make sense. Does make sense. Commit, not convict. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> a murder he didn't commit. Uh, that's that's the that's the word. Uh, well, um. Where do you go from where? Where, where do, do we, we go, go from, from here? From here? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the, I, the, we we've already mentioned so there's a heavy um, Halloween influence. There's a heavy Carrie influence. The whole prom setting, the Wendy teaming up with Lou um, as the, the 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 yeah the the bad guys that are that, that try to um, well well. Um, Make the make make prom a, a bad experience a bad experience for the the, the prom queen and the prom king, um, the Saturday night fever influence I absolutely believe is is there the whole disco thing. Mm. So, but the, yeah, to me, um, the, I think the 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 main ingredients were Halloween and. Um, and Carrie, which of course very were very popular movies um, at the time, and so Prom Night definitely feels like some people got together um, and and thought to themselves, well, these few movies and these things were very or are currently very popular with the kids. <laughs> mm, yeah. Let's make a movie that throws all of these ingredients together and the movie was very successful 
Yeah, I, I think that speaks as much to the fact that like Jamie Lee Curtis really did um, have a lot of influence over that kind of genre at the time. Uh, she, I mean, she's the face of two movies from that genre this year. She's, of course, the the face, the uh, the human face, I should say, of the Halloween franchise. Um, so I, it doesn't surprise me. Like they were like, look, we we've got this story, and we may have Jamie Lee Curtis. This is perfect. Let's just print some money. Um, <laughs> it makes sense. It makes sense. Like the cynical part of me is just like, well, yeah, of course, you've you've got. You've got the person that anyone would see and immediately be like, oh, it's one of these movies. Okay, well, I like that last one, so let's give this a go. Um, And also, it does make perfect sense that they would try to take two of the... This is the thing. I I can't remember whether uh, Carrie was popular at the time or not, Um, but certainly it's well regarded now. Um, but it's like you know, let's let's take two, these these two really uh, well done movies and let's smash them together, and let's make another movie out of it. And uh, also, we'll have some elements of other films that have done well. We need some disco dancing. Um, and John Travolta was in a couple of movies, so disco links it with him nicely. So I, yeah, it's I I, I do still I, I stand by what I. Um, what what I said at the beginning, I, I think for me personally, this is the more enjoyable film out of the two between this and Terror Train. It is a little bit more cynical in as much as it feels like it's a lot closer to being a formulaic um, cash grab based on, on previous movies that did well. Whereas Terror Train, you know what, for all of the things that I said about it, uh, like plodding along and, and not doing certain things well, it was a pretty original idea for the time at least um even if i i did make a um a steven Seagal joke about it at the beginning of the episode uh but yeah look overall i, I think this is this is a fun movie i i did really enjoy uh the, the time that i spent watching it and uh the I, I think the point that you made about the audiences of 1980, would they necessarily pick up on what we're picking up on? That's completely fair because we've got, at this point, 46 years, 46, 43 years, do your maths, Dave, um, 43 years of other films that have come out that have been either um, derivative of or informed by these kind of films mm-hmm. and play around with the genre and, and with expectations an awful lot more. Um, and in a way, I think what I like about this movie is the fact that it's so simple and straightforward. And mm-hmm. although it tries to uh, play with people's expectations a little bit and throws a few red herrings in there, ultimately it's a very straightforward film. Um, mm-hmm. And if you're kind of paying attention from the beginning of it, you're going to, in, at least in your gut, know what's coming. Um, yeah. I have to say the way that they shoot that final scene when the 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 brother comes out of the uh the um the hall and uh, there's all of the uh other prom goers outside panicking and uh, it's all shot in slow motion there's this music kind of sweeping over the top of it and you're getting flashbacks to what happened at the beginning of the movie with his young sister um and the police are pulling their guns out and i'm thinking to myself look i know he's killed a lot of people 
but he hasn't got a weapon in his hand right now and you're all drawing your guns like you're about to shoot him dead and i'm not sure why um that i thought was shot really interestingly um especially there's that one shot where the camera takes on his point of view and it kind of points to the sky Mm. as he supposedly falls down to the ground for 1980 i think i can't speak with any authority on it but i think that's a reasonably innovative use of the camera actually and certainly it's an interesting one even to watch now um having the camera take the the point of view of the killer obviously if we're going to talk about the cameras taking the point of view of a killer you have to talk about halloween (laughs) because that's literally one of the opening shots of the movie um but even so uh i i thought that there were some points during this film where it was shot really interestingly and used the camera in mm. some interesting ways maybe not completely original ways but certainly interesting ways um yeah. and uh, well sorry I, I i need to stop interrupting you no it's you don't habit. no you don't carry on <laughs> No, I, I also thought that at times the movie did look interesting in the beginning. Uh, the, the, I don't know. I don't. Um, I can't really describe the the sequence, but there was a sequence in the beginning where where, where I said to Bianca, "This is, this is an episode of Columbo. <laughs> it looks yeah. like an episode of Columbo." The, uh, and, and, and which I absolutely enjoyed. Um, I enjoyed the the nineteen eighties look of the film um i enjoyed the, the i don't know the, the the richness of the image the grain and, and we've talked about that in the past that I, I i most of the time think that old movies look better than new movies hmm. or i enjoy the the look that's that's not true i enjoy the, the the look of old movies because that's what i grew up with well, i do that um, split focus. i think like sorry i oh, should stop yeah. inter- interrupting mm. you now <laughs> <laughs> no no talk about split focus um, well, yeah, because there's that one really cool shot, mm-hmm. which is split focus between Jamie Lee Curtis in the foreground and then in the background, mm-hmm. just like, like it's, I think it's like an empty doorway or something. It's not even another character mm-hmm. that's in the, the shot. But the choice yeah. that they made there, I thought was really interesting to see. Because it's just, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's just because since Toy Story uh, 4 did it, that I've learned what split focus is and I've become a lot more aware of it. But I really do like it whenever someone uses it and I kind of see it and I'm like, oh, split focus. I feel smart now. <laughs> um, but it was, again, like they they use a lot of interesting shots here. Like there's like, um, I, I want to call it the Captain Kirk love interest uh, lens, which is basically where you take a, a bunch of Vaseline and smear it all over the camera lens. Um, to make everything look really soft and slightly out of focus. Um, they do that in this movie. And normally it's to show that it's a, a memory of something, like it's a dream sequence. And it has that really ethereal feel that works r- really well for that as well. Um, sorry, that w- that was what I was going to say. Um, that p- please continue with what you were going to say now, Andy, <laughs> if you can. Yes, yeah, s- split focus is very much uh, a thing that, Brian De Palma did a lot, uh, and Brian De Palma, of course, made Carrie. Um, so it's very possible that that's also a a, a Carrie influence into the movie. And Damn it! I'm, this film is an amalgam of so many films. It is absolutely. <laughs> I think I think Black Christmas very much is an influence. As well. In Black Christmas, we have these moments where the killer um, phones his his future yeah. victims, um, yeah. which of course. 
Alex does in, in Prom Night as well. So I, I absolutely think Prom Nine Prom Nine Prom Night <laughs> uh, mixes all these influences um from slashers and proto slashers that had come out within the f the, the previous uh, years and set it at a yeah we're at a, at a prom and and from from what i read again on wikipedia i don't know so, someone someone's influence to the movie was you, you might want to make a slasher make sure you set it on a holiday uh because mm. of, of the success of halloween uh friday the 13th prom night i mean terror train was set uh on new year's uh so for, for quite some time uh, almost every holiday has their own um slasher uh because yeah, yeah black christmas was <laughs> set on christmas um because yeah it, it uh, that was also part of the of the mix and mm -hmm. people thought that was also part of the success of of these movies to yeah. have them be set on on a certain holiday hopefully they they will make another uh, they will make eight of these movies so that eventually they can make a prom nine um that that would that would be a, a nice title for a movie i don't know if they actually have made four of these films but when i typed in prom night on amazon so that i could watch it uh it's free on freebie in the uk everybody which is part of an amazon subscription you just have to watch a few adverts they're not as intrusive as the uh, the plex ones by the way so uh welcome to advert corner of uh, erie international where we talk about the adverts and how much they interrupted our enjoyment of what we're talking about um so I yeah I typed in prom night and it suggested prom night one two three and four and I was like there are four of yeah. these so they only need to make another four and then they can make the best title um, and that that will be perfect <laughs> uh, I I'm I'm thinking now of all of the different numbers that they could force into like, like they could have prom night but replace T with a four um, they could make the fifth one could be prom nights. It could be like Boogie Nights, but with more disco and a five at the end. Uh, this is working for me. I'm liking it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just want an yeah, excuse to make stupid titles. <laughs> three sequels and a reboot from 2008. Um, yeah, so yeah, I nearly, there's, there's I nearly clicked on that reboot as well. But come on, <laughs> it's not going to be as good as the original, surely. I pulled up Jamie Lee Curtis's um, filmography on IMDb. Uh, she had a very busy 1980. Uh, the Fog also came out in 1980. Really? <laughs> so she has she has Halloween in 78, The Fog, Prom Night, and Death Party 3, also known as Terror Train. Uh, they all came out in 1980. And in 81, she has Road Games. A laid-back American truck driver in South Australia starts to suspect a man driving a green van of killing young women along his route and proceeds to play a cat and mouse game in order to catch him red-handed so uh again so she's also the... something <laughs> slashery she's is she the driver in this instance also and in 1980 the, the... not only is she playing a high school student but she's playing a young mother the range of this woman is wonderful <laughs> uh, the driver is actually stacy keach in in road games then she's the bad yeah. guy. Are all truckers um, women I in think, this reality. I think she's a. I think she's a hitchhiker. Ah, uh, okay. Well, her her character is called Hitch. So <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Na name yeah. your children 
to uh, to to really kind of put forward what you want them to do in their later lives. Eh? <laughs> so if we if we want to uh, complete the series, um, we also have to do an episode on on road games, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I don't necessarily hate this idea. But we'll have to see oh, where we can well, find we, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> because we, we did do an episode on the fog, didn't we? We did. I believe. Yeah. 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 Okay. So we've already done the trilogy then. We just didn't know but it. The 1980 trilogy is now complete. Yeah. yeah there we go. <laughs> we did fog, it, everybody. Not, not a slasher. <laughs> Mission complete. <laughs> we- <laughs> oh, there's there's going to okay. be a photo of me on on an air airliner uh, not an airliner good lord <laughs> on a um what they called the things that carry uh planes um mm-hmm. oh god i'm trying to make a george bush joke and i can't think of other yeah. words to make it funny uh probably because it won't ever be but anyway i'll be on the top of one of those uh aircraft ca- aircraft carriers What's the name of that thing that carries aircraft? Uh, It's me on top of an aircraft carrier, big old poster behind me saying operation (laughs) successful. All I'll say to camera is we did it, everyone. We did it. We compromised Jamie Lee Curtis to to a complete end. I think the killer in this movie is very close to a Jello killer. We have the gloves. Yes. We have the the blade in the form of the the mirror shards, and then later he he wields an axe. I think what because there's the differentiation between a a giallo and a slasher, and a giallo has more like dreamlike sequences and goes more into the psychology aspect of of things and of the killings. And mm. I think we have still traces of that in prom night oh definitely but I, I i i think also from from the influences it is a slasher it is not really it is not a jello but i think the the killer um still has has aspects of a of a jello killer more so than other slasher killers from the time yeah i uh, i would agree with you there um as you mentioned like the whole gloves and the blade thing um also it's just like it, it feels like the motivation is more in line with a giallo uh, than yeah. like a you know the mad killer uh, of of like a Halloween or Friday the Thirteenth. There's a motivation there, and it's a deep seated emotional one for um, for for the killer, whether it be justified in this sense or you know some of the other ones where it's kind of justified but only in their own heads because they've been driven slightly crazy by by some kind of uh, problem that they've had in the past but yeah it, i i hadn't even considered that until you mentioned it but i i think that's a really good point to make there um this this does feel in in a way it feels more like a giallo than um the the movie that we uh, spoke about before uh, four flies on gray velvet which kind of just about qualifies because it is italian and it's a slasher movie but like i mentioned in previous times it doesn't really feel like a giallo to me i feel like it's missing a lot of what i would consider to be calling cards of giallo but then i don't know what the hell i'm talking about half the time so so really what does it matter what i think giallo really qualifies as <laughs> i think four flies we, we didn't really talk about that 
that much during our Four Flies episode, but Four Flies does have these dream sequences and, and the psychology and, and the, the dreamlike aspects more so than than slashers have. So I think if if we focus on the, the, the gloves and the blade, Four Flies may not have that as much as other Jolly, but all the, the, the psychology ecological aspects and dream aspects i think that is something that four flies definitely does have mm. but yeah we we didn't really talk about that that much but i think it's very interesting because may maybe that's something that makes prom night um, or s stand out um, from from all its influences because we said no it takes from takes from black christmas from carrie from halloween from saturday night fever uh, may, maybe that slight tint of of jello is something that differentiates it a bit more from all these influences hmm. if you know what i mean <laughs> i think i do i think i do but i'm not going to say any more in case it makes it clear that i don't <laughs> what, what i'm trying to say is that where where prom night very almost blatantly takes from its american predecessors and one could argue it's just a mashup of these other movies yeah um the the one thing that gives it a little more originality is that it doesn't only take from from american or canadian slashes sure. uh, from from black christmas on <laughs> but it takes this one element from the italian movies that differentiates it from a halloween and, mm. and carrie maybe of carrie of course is a different thing by the nature of it being a, a supernatural movie, a supernatural horror, which, of course, all these other slasher movies aren't. Well, I mean, one could argue with Halloween, especially with the later ones, but the original one doesn't really have um, supernatural uh, elements to it necessarily. The good news is yeah, I completely I understand what you're saying. Yes, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, as I told you in the past, I am so much more eloquent in German. Um, I find that hard <laughs> to believe. All the thoughts that I have in my mind about all these movies that we talk about that I cannot really properly express in English. <laughs> the thing is, you, you say you're more I'm eloquent so in much... German, but you, you can be as eloquent as you like. I wouldn't understand half of what you were saying. And there's a lot of our <laughs> listeners. I say a lot of our listeners, at least 50% of our listeners, that probably wouldn't be able to follow along as well as they can do with you speaking in English. So... Um, I, I basically, I'm saying all all of this uh, to say that uh, your English is, is fantastic, frankly, and uh, we're we're very. No, I'm not being a creep, and and I, <laughs> I'm going to stop talking now because I'm having the piss taken out of me from all quarters here. Got a live studio audience today, ladies and gentlemen. You may have heard in the background, um, but yeah. So look, I understand you in English a lot better than I would do in German. So that's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm way smarter in German. Okay, um are we done with prom night or is there anything you want to add? I think that's pretty much everything that I'm I've got in my head uh regarding prom night, yeah. So unless there's anything you All want right. to add. 
let's get to double feature picks then we mentioned so many movies that are influences on prom night and you could probably pick any of those i already mm. picked black christmas last week for for terror train so this week i picked carrie um because of the prom night setting um but then carrie not being a slasher that's what i liked about this pairing that i don't just put two slashers together which you obviously could do but i like the pairing of a way this is a, a similar setting a similar or at least some similar characters especially in the lou and wendy uh, characters with whatever the equivalents were called in in carrie but then carrie being this supernatural movie and uh, prom night being a, a slasher so carrie and prom night are my pairing what's your pick uh well i i i'm going to go for a movie that scott bugger ought to do with horror but definitely has already been mentioned today uh so i'm gonna go for greece and it's only because of that scene <laughs> seriously it is literally just again because... i thought you would pick saturday night for you <laughs> <laughs> hey look i was close but frankly i've not watched that movie anywhere near enough to be able to i have to not pick it seen it at all no there we go <laughs> the, i've not seen very much of it outside of the dance scenes if i'm honest um so i'm gonna go with greece because i have seen that movie and it is also the first and last time that i was made aware of the fact that american high schools have auto shops in them um i don't know if this is just like maybe like one in a hundred and i've just seen two movies that happen to be set in these films <laughs> uh, in these schools but i i feel like the uh, american school system is a little bit more geared towards vocational studies like uh, mechanics mm. and things like that. And I don't think that that is necessarily the wrong way to go about things, to be honest with you. Um, we did study uh, mechanics uh, when uh, we did technology classes at school, but that only really ever extended to taking apart an engine and then putting it back together again. And we would always have uh, nuts and bolts left over, which was a little bit disconcerting. Would have been more disconcerting <laughs> if you'd wanted to drive the car afterwards. But because it was only the engine, um, we we never had that problem. In American schools, you have to put that shit back together and drive it. So I feel like their uh, their system is a little bit better. But yeah, that. Um, but also, like there is that kind of like. And this is something which is not particular to American schools, but certainly in comparison to British schools, they've got that specific look to the high school with the lockers and the large hallways and all that kind of stuff. And the teachers that are kind of like trying to be uh, friendly, uh, but they're not quite integrated with what's going on in school with the, with the pupils. Just generally, all in all, it, it gave me the feeling of, of Greece, just with slightly more killing involved. Um, <laughs> so that's that's why I've I've uh, chosen that movie and not the uh, the infinitely. Uh, I I can't remember who it is that's been talking about Greece too recently. I want to say it's the guys on Let's Talk About Stuff, but I'm not for I'm not certain. Um, but what I am certain about is that the original Greece is much much better, far superior to the second Grease movie, which was, frankly, just a bit pants. I'm not... I don't think I've seen all of Grease 2. I th 
think I've only seen parts and the best thing about Grease 2 is probably that Michelle Pfeiffer is in it. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> so, from Dave, it's Grease Lightning versus Disco Madness. That's that's You can put that on a billboard for a double feature. <laughs> right, that's it for Prom Night. Then the party's over. Death Party 3 and Prom Night are done. And we will come back with another topic next week, which, as most often, we have not decided upon yet. We have several things in planning stages. We have a few standalone options, and we have a few double headers or, or series even in, in planning stages. So we will let you know on social media what the topic for our next episode will be have a look at eerieint on twitter and eerie international on facebook and instagram and of course keep sending us emails if you want to read them on the air eerieinternational at gmail.com thanks again micah for checking back in after a while um we're very happy that you're doing good and uh, that you took the time to write an email. And of course, we're very happy for everyone who's listening, even if you don't let us know. Uh, we're doing this, as <laughs> Dave and I uh, discussed earlier. We're basically doing this for ourselves anyway. Uh, okay, uh, that's it for today. Keep watching horror movies. Come back next week. Until then, bye-bye. Bye-bye. This has been a production of fanoff.com. And that's perfect.